Radio. I'm Ray Burton and welcome to another Let's Talk Gardening podcast. Our mission is to provide listeners with interesting, informative topics and up-to-date information. My co-host is Faya Caro, an award-winning gardener, horticulturalist and media presenter. Faye's passion is educating people. Oh, and she loves bugs a lot too. My passion is simply beautiful, healthy gardens. And together each week, we cover many great gardening subjects. Saturday morning and here come the girls, Ray and Faye, with Let's Talk Gardening. Good morning, gardening friends. And hey, yes, welcome to... Autumn, here we are. We are ready to roll. We've got Bev Daring. Uh, she'll be answering your calls when you phone in today. And John Glidden, of course, our researcher, quiz master, garden show chef extraordinaire, and all round nice guy. Now, the lines are open. You know our number, but here it is 94841927. And you can email us by going to gardening at curtainfm.com.au. That's an easy one to remember gardening at curtainfm.com.au. Big shout out to Alan Simons and Peter Kelly for today's breakfast program. Like to see that you keep Alan uh, in check, Peter. Well done. Always enjoyable listening, and uh, thank you both so much, boys. And our cycling DJ, Jim Crinan, presented the cycling wrap-up just now. Jim returns at 10am to waltz you through the very nostalgic classic 60s. Faya Caro, good morning. We have a busy show lined up for everybody, don't we? We have. I think the listeners will be happy with our show today (laughs) on this long weekend. Yes, a long weekend. You never know quite what you're going to get insofar as when we do this show, are people away or, yeah, because you have a few uh, long weekends at this end of the year, this part well, of the year, this beginning of the long year. Well, traditionally, long weekends are quiet for us. So can if be. we fill can it up be. with we chat, never, everyone's we can, happy. We can never pick it, can we? But we've got uh, two guests joining us in the studio. Tell everyone about them. We have Kevin Smith from the Worm Shed. So we haven't done worm farming for a while, right? Love and me I thought my that worms. Yes. Very timely. Well, especially after summer, some may have yeah. suffered, yeah. Uh, particularly worms. So how how you get back on the the wagon, the worm train, <laughs> exactly. And Digby Grounds from Kings Park is coming to talk to us about aeromophilas. It's a bit like having royalty, isn't it? Oh, when it someone is. of well, that colour, they're both very yes. knowledgeable. Yes, yes. And, yeah, full well. of great information. Along with us, Ray. <laughs> oh, we we're added value. <laughs> well, we are with two hundred podcasts under our belt Belts, now. Yes, not to not, mention all the other shows. Not bragging or anything. Yeah, no, oh, no. Well done. To well be done, celebrated. Us. Yeah, yeah. And we shall, we shall. Now, well, and big thanks to John because he's no, he the one who it all. made it all happen. He has, he has. And we are giving away ten double passes to the Kalamunda Garden Festival, which is on tomorrow between ten and three. We'll give five doubles away this hour and five doubles away the next in conjunction with our regular prizes, a $75 gift voucher to either Green Life Soil Co. or Bigotry. So lots of prizes up for grabs today as well. You cannot be disappointed with any of those. Uh, And uh, the Kalamunda Garden Festival is looming. We have our fingers crossed for the weather. We just don't. You just don't know. You just don't know what you're going to get. Well, and we don't always believe the weather forecast. No, well, I've learned that, haven't we? As gardeners, we don't believe any. um, It looks 
Yeah, well, they're saying rain. They're saying rain today. And you know what? Mm. As gardeners, oh, we will embrace rain. We'll get out there with our umbrellas. dancing in it. (laughs) (laughs) Literally, literally. Uh, Yeah, so now we've got a message coming up on the screen. Donna of South Yunderup has a stag horn with the leaves going brown. It is under 90% shade cloth, waters every second day. Hmm. That all sounds reasonable. Uh, wind could be a factor. And they sometimes get an elk horn tip moth and that uh, eats into the end of the leaves. All you have to do is cut elk it off. Elk horn tip moth. Elk horn. There's, yeah, there's a bug horn. for everything, isn't there? There's oh, there just... is. And there's a wasp for every bug, let me tell you. <laughs> well, that I like to hear. Or a predator. That I like to hear. Yes. That I like to hear. Uh, now, the other thing is... Uh, it, Yes, it could be dried out. But you know what? Just cut them off and you'll get regrowth. And that's what I said to you earlier, Ray. If you want something to grow, cut it back. Cut it back. Uh, Now, be careful how much you do cut it back. Now, you could just tidy up the ends and get rid of the brown bits. Or I go through because um, some of them are, are just too far gone. It really tidies up the plant if you take away the the leaves that are, or the fronds that are hanging down, mm. cut them off and at some point you'll get new growth. New growth. And she f- gives him banana juice once a month, 50-50. What mm. are your thoughts on that? Well, I just have John Banasavich's in your voice head, in my yeah. head because, mm. you know, we used to give them bananas, it, but that, that, that can was attract what my used rats to and ants and pests. Yeah. So really we want to keep the environment clean. Mm. Not saying don't do it if it works and you don't have a problem with that. That's fine, but just be mindful that that could be the issue. So have a look in inside and see if there is anything going on there. Sometimes a rat will nest in there and you'll find the clippings of uh, fronds of palms or ferns in the top where they've nested. Mm. So watch out for that. What's what's the best feeding program for them? Uh, you can use a liquid, you can use a seaweed, you can use a fish product, you can use just a couple of uh, grains or pallets of slow-release food in just it. Just throw it in there. Mm. Okay. And there are fertilisers like available through the Fern Society called Polyfeed, and that is a, a granule that you mix up into a liquid and it doesn't burn the plants. No, so I've got it's, it at home. It's a very good product. You can use it on everything. I do, actually. The Fern Society meeting is on tomorrow at it 2 is. o'clock it at is. the South Perth a Senior Citizen Centre on the corner of Lay and Downey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, so that's happening tomorrow for anyone that would like to go along. And the subject of the topic is, uh, I'm pretty sure it's Australian ferns from okay. like about N to Z. Wow, okay. Very, very interesting. It's a big club, the Fern Society. It is. There's a lot of interest there, isn't there, for Well, ferns. the president puts in a lot of effort, right? Yeah, and I know he does. the talks are always amazing. And last weekend they had uh, a great event at the South Perth Community Centre. Yes, and the fair. That I, was, we went. That was fabulous. We yeah. saw, we came. Yep. And I walked away with a box full of goodies, as I do. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, it was a good day wasn't it it's a great bunch of people there yeah really familiar lovely. faces really lovely. very knowledgeable people yes no we, we we get around and it's all it's all warming up too because open gardens is going to kick off sorry. oh manning manning senior citizens not i'm sorry south not south perth 
And that is the corner of Ley and Downey, L-E-Y. What did you say? I said South Perth. Oh, mm. okay. You're getting mixed up with the fair. Oh, well, there's like three different buildings Venues in my go- head. going on. Yeah, okay. 94841927. Got uh, a guest joining us from 20 past eight, I think, actually. We've yes. got Digby Grounds coming in. He's the legendary plant breeder from Kings Park. There isn't anything that... We know Digby doesn't know that 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 much. We do know now. Do we have a few emails to cross yes, through? Yes, we do. Let's do that before so, the boys um, arrive. Eh? First up, last weekend, Tracy from Mount Nazura sent us in an email asking if flame tree leaves are suitable for compost. She has mountains of them. Yeah. I'm guessing because of the dry conditions, they're stressed and dropping Absolutely. earlier. Absolutely. You can compost just about anything. Anything. I did a bit of research and I couldn't see anything to say you can't use them. Mm. We'll ask Kevin if they'll be okay in a worm farm as well. Mm -hmm. But you can put just about anything in a compost Mm. and add, add, add. Mm. Add almost anything and everything. It it breaks down. Uh, It's, yeah, anything that is organic Mm. can break down and Mm. and go back to Mm. the earth. So, yes, I would. And what have we got here? Can you please give me advice on growing wisteria plants? I have a pergola on on which I want to grow wisteria in two large pots. So if they're going into pots, you could really do it at any time of the year. It's more about where where they're available from. Mm. They tend to flower spring and summer. And after they flower, they put out a lot of whippy growth. So... At that point, you just give them a, a little trim back, yeah. but not a hard cut back because you will take off next flowers. season's flowers. So I've seen them spot flowering at the moment. Actually. Well, I thought that was mm. the case. It's and I've like, seen jacarandas spot it, It's like another spring. You know, yeah. you've got that the daylight hours and you've mm. got some, well, dare I say, cooler night temperatures. Not all through the week, but we have had a couple of cooler nights. And is that all it takes? Well, that's... The triggers. Yeah, the triggers. So, yeah, okay. you know, uh, we're in autumn by the calendar. Yeah, but we, the calendar so We know yeah. that things have changed. There can be that dew around. I've yeah. got fungi popping up. Yeah. It's a sign of weather conditions. It's not that plants are confused. Can plants, plants know what they need to do, sparked yeah. by things, by different conditions. By the problem the conditions, is if yeah. we get more hot weather and that sort of, yeah, changes things. But our native plants, you give them a drop of water, boom, you'll find a lot of things bursting into flower. Already? Oh, well, it, it is, yeah, it's how plants work. Yeah, okay, perfect. All right, shall we head to the lines? Yes, okay. Okay, we're talking vincas. Anita, good morning. Oh, good morning. Lovely to hear your voices. Look, I have a lot of vincas which they have receded themselves from last year and so on and on. But now they're becoming very spindly and I wondered if I should cut them back. You certainly can. There's a lot of annual plants that if you do cut them back, petunias, uh, ageratum, they will, they'll bush out but also give them a feed as well. Now, when I plant seedlings, I dib, I use a dibber and I make a hole (laughs) And I put a teaspoon of slow-release fertiliser underneath and then I plant into some improved soil in the planting hole and that should be enough to give your plant a a kick-off and get it through. But you cannot beat 
liquid fertilizers for giving your plants a boost. Mm. They really oh, respond well and you get more flowers. But cutting them back, deadheading them, definitely, yeah. if you've got the time. Okay. And I was also I was going to ask, uh, sometime this year, or probably because of the weather, I'm not quite sure, but some of them withered and and died on the same plant sort of thing. Sort of, and I was very surprised. They can, Sorry. they can get a virus, uh, but once again, you go through and cut back. And this applies to a lot of plants after summer. They might have wilted. They're not looking too happy, but they'll be trying to push out some new growth. So if you cut back to where you see a little bit of green growth and you mm-hmm. give it a gentle feed like half-strength liquid fertiliser or a fish or a seaweed product... It'll strengthen it, and with the weather and what it's doing, the bit of rain, you'll get new growth in no time at all. Excellent. That's what I wanted to know. I just look at them, and they're so beautiful, but they're becoming very big, and some of them are very spindly, and I thought, oh, I would like, for Easter, I would like them to be in shape. Now's now's a perfect time. Cut back, feed, fertilise, mulch, and... Yep. Yeah, should get, get more the weeds away. They'll be mm. amazing. Yeah, excellent. Thank you, ladies. And okay. I enjoy your 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 show very much. Oh, thank, thank you very much. Bye bye for that. Cheers. Bye. I like vinkers. You know, they're very hardy. I mean, they and do they go will off self in winter, sow. as yes. we know. Yeah, they do self sow, but they're easy to pull out. They're not uh, annoying. A lovely lady, a neighbour, you know, I go out walking my dog and I come home carrying plants, as you do, and she gave me this beautiful little pot of vinca, and I I just saw it, it was a very soft pink, and it was a colour that I haven't seen in the vinca range. It was Mm. different, you know, there's Mm. pinks and pinks. And, uh, yeah, I came waltzing home with that, so I'm going to pot it up and put it in, in, yeah, because I just just enjoy, I love the combination of a glossy green and a pink. I just think that's very, for me, very pleasing. Okay, lovely. we're in Falcon. Irene, good morning. Hello. Um, I've I've read a veggie called Chiote, which is good for several health issues. Yes. It seems that it's a choco. And I wondered if anyone has some seeds or a plant I could have. Uh, I think you would have a good chance of getting, I think it's Chilla Chilla Coyote, C-H-I-L-A-C-Y-O-T-E, and it grows into a big melon. Wow. Mm. No, these are just little, the choco is just a little one. It's spelt C-H-A-Y-O-T-E. And it's also Secium edule or Merliton. Oh, okay. I don't know that one off the top of my head. Uh, maybe we can get John to look it up. But I tell you what, tomorrow there will be seed sellers at the Kalamunda Garden Festival. Uh, there's Down to Earth Gardening. Uh, they have seeds from Seed Freaks. Uh, Thrive Sustainability will be there. Laura Blishan. Uh, who else? Um, there, lots of unique growers with local seeds. It is probably one of the plants you might get through a permaculture group or a, a rare fruit club. That's the sort of market. Maybe one of our listeners. I would say we'll put it out there to the listeners. It. You mm. never know. Mm. 
Yeah, I have seen it growing in Mandurah and it's a vine and it goes rampant. Yeah, that's right. Mm. Yeah, and of course, when they're in the stores, people will grow from no, them. But I, it's do, not, not. It says not on our board. It says chocos, but is yeah. that what you're not talking about? A normal choco, are you, Irene? Well, I'm not sure. Okay. I don't, yeah. All right. I need to do a bit of homework on that one. I'll see what I can find out. Okay. <laughs> All right. Stay Thanks. tuned. Thanks, Irene. Thank okay. You. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Okay, we do have to take a break. Uh, on the other side of this, I think we'll give away uh, five doubles to the Kalamunda Garden Festival. How does Excellent. that sound? It's 23 minutes after eight on Let's Talk Gardening. We're going straight back out to the lines, have a chat with Caroline. But firstly, if you would like to attend the Kalamunda Garden Festival tomorrow... We are giving five double passes away. What we will do is have put your name at the gate. Uh, tomorrow starts at 10 o'clock and uh, you'll be able to go in and uh, give your name and uh, off, you, off you go. So if you'd like um, a pass, a double pass to the Kalamunda Garden Festival, our very own Fayakara will be there. What, uh, what time's your talk tomorrow? My talk tomorrow is 10.15 in you. the Fruit Tree Man Marquee. Followed by Millie Ross, yes. Neville Passmore, Darren Seenor, and Mel from we- Rewilding Suburbia. Fantastic. So I, I don't think I'll get around to see anything you tomorrow. You won't. You I'll won't. Be- you don't get to travel too far because you also <laughs> MC the day. All right. I say, so off you go. Um, I just need Bev to undo the lines and you'll be able to get through. Meanwhile, we're in Dianella. Caroline, good morning. Oh, morning, ladies. Good morning, Caroline. How can we help you? Uh, I, last year I planted um, those everlasting daisies, the paper daisies, and I collected their seed. Um, and I was reading on the website for veggie seeds and something else. I can't remember what it they, And they have for temperate climates that this month I'm supposed to plant the seeds. Is that correct? Because that is an eastern state state. Uh, if it's a oh, it's Digby Grounds here. If it's um, an Eastern States one, generally you'd wait till a, it's a little bit cooler. So this month is a bit hot. So when the yeah, that's uh, what I wondered. When the yeah. evenings start uh, cooling down, uh, so probably yeah. you know April and even as late as May, you could leave it. And it really depends on if we get any rain as well. If you're mm. not irrigating, because it, if it doesn't rain, it do. will germinate. I water. I water regularly, but I did wonder about that heat. A lot of seeds need it uh, under 30, don't they, to germinate? Yeah, and even uh, night temperatures down, you know, to 15 or 16. Uh-huh. There well, you go, Caroline. You've got a bit, a bit more time up your sleeve. Oh, yeah, that's really good. I know I've been waiting for the poppy seeds. That goes in on Anzac Day, doesn't it? Sounds good to me. Okay, thanks um, for your call. Can I ask you one more question? Uh, quickly, because we've got a really busy show today. Oh, okay, no, I'll just leave it. It's okay, thanks. Okay, thanks, bye. Caroline. Cheers. And Janet of Rivervale uh, is asking if we can suggest a weed killer to kill the cooch grass in her rose garden that won't affect her roses. Yes. <laughs> uh, well, the weed killer I use is uh, cardboard. Cardboard. Uh, and it's wonderful. It, it uh, So you're not putting chemicals on your garden. And so, you know, if you're getting old boxes from arousalists they haven't got a lot of plastic sort of associated with them, then just lay it over the cooch, weigh it down with a, a brick or two, and then 
you can mulch over it if you want to and leave it in place. And, and that'll kill the cooch. It, absolutely, it will. Yeah. Really? Because not if, much if, does. Yeah. If cooch can't get Light. daylight, it doesn't mm. work. And it's interesting because mm. I talked about this some years ago at the Garden Festival and I was shot down for it. Oh, but we I love it. No. Well, that's okay. Everyone has different opinions, but I know I'm right. And yes, I, no, <laughs> I'm I, hearing I, from Digby. I have, uh, in fact, I've got a patch at uh, Kings Park in one of our trial beds right now where we're doing exactly that. Okay. Um, that, what also works is um, old carpet as long as it doesn't have the rubber backing. So as long mm. as it's just carpet, yeah. a, a good fo- like a wool carpet or something like that, that'll mm. work as well. But cardboard's cheap, available, and you know very effective. Yeah. And Janet, yeah, she did want a, a weed killer, and I do know that there is a product there that if if it's not okay, if you can't use cardboard. Fusillard is one that doesn't yep. knock out native plants or or roses. It is a so, thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. but I I like the cardboard alternative. Sounds good to me. Mm. Now, Digby, I didn't get to say good morning or introduce well, you. We just morning. put you yeah. straight to work. We cracked <laughs> the whip. Thank you for coming in. Yes, we appreciate. It. What's going on up at Kings Park? Oh, look, lots, uh, lots, and lots and lots uh, yeah. going on um, within. You know, we've got this unfortunate um, incursion of uh, polyphagous shot hole borer. So, yes, that's... You know, that's um, absolutely shattering, it, it in fact, is. to a lot of us at Kings Park. Yeah. Uh, so the tree removals uh, have just started. So, yeah, that yeah, would be heartbreaking to see that. Yeah. Um, but on a more positive note, you know, we've got some planned plant releases uh, coming up in the, in the next 12 months. Uh, so there's a lot going on in that space. New kangaroo paws. Excellent. Um, uh, a line of plants that we're calling Kings Park favourites. Oh, yeah. So yeah, lots to look forward to in the in the face of uh, uh, you know that incident. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now John came in on the break and he said that the um, chocos, the chocos are normal chocos. So you can actually go to your grocery store. Pick yourself up a couple of chocos, wait for it to sprout and plant it. Mm. So nothing easier than that. That's right. Yeah. So well done. All right. 94841927 is our number. However, having a look at that, I just say that automatically and the lines are going crazy at the moment for the, the Calamunda Garden passes and poor old Bev's out there uh, toiling very heavily at the She's moment. She's going to have a busy day. I hate to yeah, say yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just going to keep smacking her with things. Poor love. <laughs> um well, I didn't quite get to finish the, no, the wisteria. Do. So do. there's uh, Chinese wisteria is the most common around Perth and it comes in a range of colours. When is the best time to plant? Well, it doesn't really matter if it's going into a pot. It's really about when it's available and you may pick up one at a garden centre now. Mm. Um, so keep a lookout. Uh, best soil mix? Well, they're not very fussy like a no. premium soil mix, premium potting mix. They do grow quite fast. Yes, uh, vigorous. So if it's in a pot, you want to keep it managed. Yeah. Uh, or you may want it to grow in a pot up and over a trellis. And that That's what work. I'm imagining, and I'd be happy to see they it do, left in a pot. They look stunning as standards. They, they, yeah. Oh, so yeah. That's, that's something to think, think of. about as well. Um, and how often should they be watered? Well, it depends on the potting mix that they're in, the weather conditions, situation etc get yourself a moisture meter or just poke your finger in and water when they dry out they're pretty resilient so good potting mix with a mulch on top or even a little under planting thriller 
Spilla mm. and a spiller would be <laughs> lovely in that. You're channeling Andrea. Yes. All right. Okay. So shall I keep going? Uh, well, we've got one call here, Sarah. I'm just okay. trying to work our way through. Let's talk about the Desert Rose. Liz, good morning. Hi, how are you? We're good, great. Thanks, Thank you. That's good. Um, yeah, I've got um, a lot of desert roses, but they're looking, they, with the hot, humid weather, they lost their leaves. They got mould and all sorts of little pesty diseases. Um, can I cut them back? If you have to, now I think would be the time because they're a warm season plant. So you, yeah. you wouldn't want to do it when they're cool. I when it's cool. I suspect that they'll um, weep some sap. They uh, do, yeah. But I think I think now would be the time if you have to, Liz. Okay, yeah, because they're looking very leggy and, and yeah. So I thought if I could cut them back, it might bring them back a bit. What position have you got them in, Liz? Um, they get a lot of a hell of a lot of sun. Oh. Um, they, it's, it's probably late afternoon sun that they don't get, um, but they do get a lot of morning sun and, and up till quite late. You know, funnily enough, the one that's in the most shaded area actually didn't get the disease as much and is is, is better, um, which is a bit weird because I know they're a hot weather plant. They, they are um, not not too much water, Liz. They, no, they are, but the the weather that we had is extreme. It's a bit more than yeah. hot weather. So if they're a like northern of Australia plant, they probably mm, yeah. get a bit more humidity than what we've got here. Mm, so the plants yeah. that got sick were probably yeah. more stressed. The ones that had and that I've little got, bit of shade cloth sounds like they did I've a bit got better. Quite a few in. I've got quite a few in a, in log a long pot, big long pot. And I'm wondering whether maybe if I've got quite a few in the in this long, long pot, would would they be maybe too close and causing too much of a? Well, I would check your potting mix as well to see. Yeah. Uh, if yeah. you know, when potting mix gets old, it doesn't do the same job. The drainage isn't yeah. there. Um, well, it's yeah. It, it can be hydrophobic, so you get root die back, and then your plants look sick, and it's a whole combination of things. So yeah, check your oh, okay. potting mix. So if I was to repot them, I'd probably be better to do that. For, would I do that in the middle of spring when it's Ooh. warming up? I'm not. I'm, I yeah. I think now might not be now the best be time. Not yeah. you know, yeah. summer and winter are not the best times. Yeah. So either so in spring either autumn, maybe you could do it. You know, probably in okay. in April or something before it gets too cold. You certainly don't want to do it when it's really cold. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. Then well, I might look into it in the next month or so. Mm. All right. Good um, luck with yeah. that, Liz. Not a problem. Thank you. Okay. Uh, thank um, you, With a lot of cactus and succulents, mm. they're not looking their best now. I was actually um, had an email exchange with Mary from Cogenup who had the amazing succulent garden, and she said, you know, it's been really hot and dry there and a lot of things are not looking good. Now, she barely waters her garden yeah, so it's and, and the plants, that's what they do. They become skinny. They, they've yeah. used up their water stores, but they bounce back quite often when those rains and cooler weather come. Yeah, it doesn't need a lot of rain for them to, to mm. come back. But, yeah, it's a survival mechanism for them. They don't look fantastic all the time, yeah. um, but they will survive generally and then when it rains 
They're glorious. Our native plants have yeah, incredible survival yeah. mechanisms, don't they? That's right. Some of the yeah. best in the world, I yep. suspect. Well, just look at the where they grow and, and what they have to uh, get through to stay alive. Absolutely. Yep. Okay. Let's head to Mandra. Maggie, good morning. Oh, good morning, girls. Uh, I heard the man say about chocos. That's true. That's fine. That's what I was going to say anyway. But the thing is, I just want to tell everybody, I, I come from Eastern States originally, and every man and his dog's got a choco vine over the chicken coop. Oh, yeah. And, um, and but what I did, I had abundance of them one year, and we were about to travel around Australia. So I had a whole bucket full of them, and uh, I just... The best thing to do with them is in the, in the depression. Apparently, they use them as steam as poached peaches, poached pears, mm. and uh, all you got to yeah. do is just but don't get let them get big. Uh, people, when you buy them, you can buy them. The only place I could ever buy them is in uh, spud shed. Yes, but he he grows them to such a point that the seeds are only coming out the end, and they're pretty hard and awful. Then, mm. if you just grow them till they're about three inches at the most. And they're beautiful, soft, and baby. You can steam them, you can bake them, you can do everything with them. But poaching them like a peat, a pear, just exactly as you poach a pear, is the best. And you can't oh, tell the difference. Yum. <laughs> we had some <laughs> recipes once given to us, and they said they're very similar to treat them as a with, pear. With mm. cinnamon and was it mm. butter? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. cooking weather just about, isn't it? Getting there. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I had to get rid of mine because I live in a... a a village and it just took over the fence and went down the next lady's house and she was just she she said it grows like a trifid three feet every day yeah so i hope have to get rid of it and put a passion fruit vine in yeah oh yeah. thanks okay. for your call maggie that's okay but okay. don't let them get too big before you eat them eat them that's your tip thank you so much for ringing in we appreciate yeah. okay. all right thanks so much. take care Bye-bye. cheers yeah good point now digby you're here to talk about Eremophilus. I yes, I can talk about. Why? Eremophilus. Why have you chosen Eremophilus today? Well, um, we're really focused at Kings Park on you know environmental change and um, resilient plants for resilient landscapes, and Eremophilus are just incredible. Mm. You know, there's close to 300 species just in Western Australia alone. They mostly grow in the desert areas, arid zone. There's a few coastal species which are use, you know, reasonable amount in people's gardens. You know, um, Eremophila calberry carpet, absolute classic. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. That are proved quite hardy. Um, the issue is some of the desert species bringing them into cultivation are not quite as hardy. Although there's a fantastic one called Eremophila mckinleyi sometimes sold as uh, silky bells. Um, that is, uh, it's got silver foliage, big purple flowers, and really hardy in Perth conditions. So that that's one that's not used widely, but will work well. So what we're trying to do is really uh, develop a range of plants that uh, bushy shrubs that are highly resilient and can be planted in, you know, Perth gardens, including coastal gardens. Uh, you know, developing new colours and bigger flowers mm. and and plants like that, and that that'll really help people's gardens stay looking spectacular, um, but also be able to tolerate the you know the the change that's coming or the you know yeah what we've just been like, through a summer like February, mm. um, yeah, and so of course reducing water use yeah. mm. and it, yeah. and silver leaf habitat. silver yeah. leaf plants are 
they just love the sun, don't they? Oh, that's right. And, you know, the silver's there. Uh, it's normally in the hairs on the on the leaf and it reflects both heat and, and light. And so that's an adaptation that allows them to really um, keep looking great when it's mm. really tough. Really, really, like what we've just been through. Yeah. All right, we're heading to Seville Grove. Marion, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. Um, I have a lemon tree in a pot. It's five years old, um, but I've got a problem with grasshoppers chewing the leaves at the moment. I wonder if you could tell me what I could do to get rid of them. Mm. Uh, you could pick them off. You could spray them with the hose and they move off. Uh, little birds will be coming in looking for them for food as well as uh, praying mantises. So do, if you don't use chemicals in your garden, Marion, you can build up a team of predators that will come in and take over grasshoppers. And there is one particular wasp, Ray, I told you there's a wasp for everything, and there's a black wasp that's quite big and he's quite fast and it preys upon the Orthoptera family. So I was in my garden one day and I was watching this wasp, following it with my phone to try and get a, a picture, and it swooped on a Katie did and grabbed it and paralysed it and took it off to its nest. So encouraging wasps in your garden means that you actually don't have to do anything, Marion, and these wasps won't sting you. They, I reckon the recipe for getting wasps into your garden is get a bucket of clay from somewhere. You can get some from your local hardware store or if you've got a friend in the hills, mm-hmm. pop, a, pop, a, pop it down in the garden anywhere. They like water and they need a food source. So your, your grasshoppers will do that. Then you've got a recipe that will keep everyone happy. Oh, lovely. Thank you so much. If Good luck, Marion. If you want to Thank attract you. birds to your garden, plant a Kings Park Revillia yeah. close by. and It actually works really well for veggies and fruit because the bees uh, recognise it as a food source for 12 months of the year. Oh. And then when your veggies flower, you. they, uh, they'll pollinate them as well. So as you'll, well. Get, you'll get more veggies or more fruit and um, more birds and bees to your garden. Yeah, I'm making a list here, right? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) All right. Uh, Let me see. Where are we? I think we need to have a quick break. Uh, We will return shortly. You're with Ray and Faye. This is Let's Talk Gardening. Special guest in the studio, we've got Digby Grounds. He's our legendary plant breeder up there at Kings Park. Botanic Gardens, and we've just been joined in the studio by Kevin from the Worm Shed. How are you? Good morning. Yes, very good, right? Can you yeah. hear okay? Uh, no. No. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Push your plug-in, uh, the connection. It was working all right earlier. Oh, yeah, Faye checked it earlier. Well, it might be just my hearing, maybe. <laughs> all right. Let's turn up our dial a little bit. Right. Okay, see how you go. Is that yeah, better? That is better. Ah, we've got you. You're okay with that, Diggy? Oh, yeah, it's like good. one yeah. size fits all here, oh, I'm yeah, afraid. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Lots of loud music when I was younger. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you damage your yeah. ears. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, same, same. <laughs> yeah, so. So, okay. Kevin, you were just saying that you've had a lot of wind up in Chittering yeah. and your temperatures have been extreme. Very much so, yeah. This morning, the. We're on a pole home, but it's, it's all steel, so everything's welded 
and nothing moves, but everything around the verandas aren't where they're supposed to be. <laughs> yeah, everything's moved yeah, around. Yeah. Oh, very much, yeah. And the temperature, yeah, we cop it probably three or four degrees hotter than you do in Perth. Do you know? feel that there's, there is a storm coming? Do you feel we're going to... Uh, Get it in the next day or two? I'm not sure. Can't tell Don't you. the worms tell you? Do they, <laughs> does barometric pressure changes the behaviour of animals Very much and so. reptiles? Worms, it does. Yeah, they certainly know when it's coming around. Yeah. Um, when we have them packed in boxes ready to go out to customers and that, uh, yeah, if we don't keep a light on and there's a bit of weather around, they all decide it's time to move. Oh. Or wander out, you know. So we always recommend people to, if they can't set up a worm farm straight away, to always put the worms under lights, Just put it in the laundry with a light on, something like that. And, uh, yeah. But because they're light sensitive and so then they'll, they'll go down. down. yeah. So if it's yeah. dark, they want to yeah. go exploring, we've, do we've they? We've done workshops where we've had the van full of kilo boxes of worms too mm. for people. And it uh, gets dark, so, you know, We've got to make sure the light's left on on the van, and if there's weather around, yeah, they get a bit cranky. Mm. Oh, <laughs> so to move around. Yeah. So I guess for a lot of people that are worm farming, there there could be some fatalities out there. What advice have you got for people like through heat and yeah. how to get things cranking again? Yeah, we've we have a, a Facebook page, and constantly my daughter Sam, she's putting reminders to everybody to number one maybe put an ice brick in your worm farm that's a pretty standard one but if you're having a long period of heat which we've just had we recommend actually dismantling your worm farm if it's one of the stacking ones and put each one of the working trays into a uh, into your garden somewhere where there's a bit of retick so if it gets too hot they can go down into the garden and you can still okay. feed them in there you can still mm-hmm. work in there no problem at all but mm. it's probably one of the safest ways Unfortunately for worms, this is probably one of our busiest times because, as you mentioned, people are having trouble keeping them alive. And so, you know, they realise, you know, they're a great thing. As soon as the weather cools down, they all want to re-establish their worm farms again. Mm. Especially so, on a long weekend. Uh, <laughs> long weekend and Christmas. Christmas, oh, people go uh, away. I got worm farm for Christmas one year. I was pretty happy with that. Yeah. yeah. Well, people, you know, they go away for the... Christmas break and they make sure the dog's right, the cat's right, the bird's Forget about right, their for, worms. Forget about their worms. No, I never yeah, forget. No, mm. <laughs> that's good. Love mine. Yeah, mm. no, you should. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. what? how do you prepare your worms if you're going away for a few days? Yeah. Well, in wintertime it's not a problem. It's very hard to starve a worm, very easy to overfeed a worm farm. Yeah. So, you know, they don't need a feed every day or every second day. You can go for a week, two weeks even, you know, and... They'll hang about, as long as the weather's right. But um, summertime, as I say, if you're going to go away, I'd be very careful asking the kids to look after them. (laughs) (laughs) And I'd be very careful about your neighbours, unless they have a worm farm themselves. So once again, we do recommend dismantling your worm farm and just place it in your uh, in your garden bed where it's nice and cool and there's a That's bit of That's a really tech. great idea. I love that. Yeah, well, they can yeah. get to safety on their own mm. if they need exactly. it, can't they? Yeah, I've yeah. heard terrible stories of people helping out feeding fish and the amount of food that goes into a fish system and ends up on the bottom fouls mm. the water and yeah. people come home to overfed dead fish. Yeah. Mm. yeah. No, it's, so it's, you just 
Yeah, well, you've got to think worm. It doesn't like to get too hot. Their bedding temperature shouldn't get any higher than maybe 27, 28 degrees. Yeah. So, you know, you've got to do a bit for them, but they're a living animal. They've exactly. got five hearts, a crop, a yeah. gizzard, a brain, you know. Yeah. So, you know, so we learn how to look after our dogs and cats. You really do got to look after the worms. So is your worm farm facility air-conditioned? Because with 46-degree temperatures, uh. how, how do they cope? <laughs> what, do you, what have well, you done to look after them all? A lot of my worms are out in windrows, out in the paddock. Like I, I like to call them their free range, okay? So they're okay out there. Um, and I cut back on the feed through summer because mm. it's the feed that heats up as it's breaking down. Um, we use a lot of straw, but they're also on retic. Uh, the worms I have in the shed, I've got about 10 boxes. that are metre-by-metre boxes, which I play around with. They're the worms I muck around with and but the shed itself has been painted in some paint called Insultec and it'll drop the temperature by about 15 degrees it's quite amazing stuff brilliant stuff and so we do that I have a big industrial fan that if I need to move air around there Mm. but once again you know castings doesn't heat up as as such it's the manures and the feed that you're feeding that's what heats your worm farm up Mm -hmm. it's interesting yeah so yeah, they get through, but you know, we have about two months that we're pretty low key. Okay. You know, the week. other ten months we work seven days a week. week. But yeah. um, the two months, and we're just coming out of it now, where you know we just take it really easy, and our main aim is just to keep the worms alive, cool, and yeah. Work, you know. Okay, we've got lots of questions for you anyway. Now, Sandra of Gooseberry Hill, she won two tickets to the Kalamunda Garden Festival. Good on you, Sandra. And she wants us to say hello to her daughter and son-in-law, Rebecca and Scott from Waluna, who evidently listen to us each week. So good day, guys, Rebecca and Scott. Thank you for listening to Let's Talk Gardening. We very much appreciate that. And, uh, yeah, take care. Waluna is... Great place to grow Aramophila. Yeah, <laughs> I love the way your your mind is working. Okay, we we'll return in not in a moment, and, and it's time to give a seventy five dollar gift voucher away as well. On the other side, Curtain Radio. We appreciate your company this morning. This is Let's Talk Gardening. Time to give something away to you. This is one of John's quizzes. I think we will go to Green Life Soil Co. $75 gift voucher up for grabs if you are a Curtin FM member and you haven't won a prize in the last 28 days. Now, delivering a greener garden is Green Life Soil Co.'s motto. And I have noted on the Green Life Facebook page that all of their heritage seeds in store are non-hybrid and non-GMO, which means you can save your own seeds to grow again next season. If you search greenlifesoil.com.au, you can browse their free Perth gardening guides. And whilst there, check out what Green Life have to say about autumn gardening and therefore get the jump on the season by being organised with your gardening products and requirements. Green Life are open Monday to Saturday and will assist you with all your gardening needs to note, they are closed this Monday because it is a public holiday. Now, they deliver across the metro area too and they offer up courtesy trailers. So I think that's a really great uh, option for you. Make life a lot easier if you're going to buy a, a, a bigger amount. They also have a lot of, the, or most of their products are also bagged. So whether you've got a big garden or a little garden. Okay, for your chance to win a $75 gift voucher from Green Life, true or false, the ponytail palm 
is a member of the rose family of plants. True or false? Is the ponytail palm a member of the rose family of plants? True or false? Another one of John's curlies, 94841927. Off you go. Good luck. Oh, we we have great giveaways on this show, Ray, don't we? And, yeah, we do. And Kevin came, came in with oh. two arms full of goodies, goodies. two 10-litre tubs of castings and two 5-litre jugs of Worm Whiz, valued so, at around $50 per bundle. Per bundle. So we're going to give those away. We'll get you to talk about them as well. after Once Bev's got her breath back, <laughs> um, because she's out there fielding... Uh, calls as we speak, uh, and uh, yes, this could be a record on calls into poor, the garden show Bev, this weekend. Bev. Yeah, and this we will quiet long weekend, and we will be going to the nine o'clock news uh, in about five minutes' time. Okay, over to you. All guys. right, so back to Digby and Eremophilus. What sort of soil conditions do they suit, Digby? Uh, well, they generally need quite well drained soils um, with you know uh, good organic matter. Uh, pretty similar in a lot of ways to a lot of native plants that that, if, that people already grow. Um, so a, a reasonable mulch, inorganic mulches often work better than organic mulches. So, inorganic? Yeah, so stones mm. or crushed brick or things like that because then when it does rain, that allows the water to penetrate because where they come from generally... You know, they just get intermittent rain, and so when it does rain, they really take advantage of that water. Um, so just it's really about your drainage. Uh, That's interesting because we don't often hear people say inorganic mulch, and with the temperatures that we've just had, if you've used a rock or a gravel, wouldn't that reflect the heat, or does that work really work well in winter time? Yeah, well, both it re- it reflects the heat. Uh, so. If, if you've got a rock in your garden, lift it up and just feel underneath and you'll notice how much cooler it is yeah. uh, under there. Um, so the, the thing about inorganic mulches is that they allow the water penetration much faster Through. than organic mulches. So um, they both have their advantages. Mm. So it's, it's certainly, if you're not using it um, on some of those plants that are uh, from you know the desert areas, it's worth just having a look at. I could imagine eremophilas used as part of a rockery where there's mm. big rocks. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and that would work really well. And, you know, succulents uh, are the same. You know, if you've got succulents, they often work really well with inorganic mulches too because they have that same mm. response to, to water. And um, you don't have to replace them. <laughs> they yeah, don't break down. That's right. The bugs don't get into them yeah. as much, do they? Yeah, there is a mm. bit of management. You know, if you're getting a lot of leaves in your garden and you want yeah. to clean them out, they get, it does get caught up. But yeah. but um, they're certain, it's certainly effective an effective option. Yeah. And they don't burn. That's mm. true, yeah. Mm. Something There's a lot to, to think about. It can be quite mm. ornamental. So, you know, you can use different colours if you want in, in your garden. Mm. Um, so, yeah. Landscaping of the future. That's right. And are you able to share with us? Oh, we have a winner, guys. Uh, Raphael of Mount Claremont. Good on you. Um, okay, actually, I'll give you the answer of that whilst whilst we're at it. The question was true or false? Is the ponytail palm a member of the rose family? The answer is false. Uh, whilst it is not a palm, it is actually a member of the asparagus family, asparagus family, to be exact. And of course, the boat. 
Canaria is not a palm at all. It's not a, a palm. That's its common name. Mm. It is a, a plant. Mm. Okay. <laughs> just to confuse you all out there just a little bit more. Yeah, okay. So we'll be giving away another prize in the next hour. We will be going to the news in about one and a half minutes. Just quickly, what, what else? Up at uh, Kings Park, you said there's some other um, things that are being developed at the moment. Are you able to talk about them? No, I know. No, you... Yes, I, I do have secrets, but yes, uh, I, I'm but sure there's... you oh, do. Please do tell. <laughs> <laughs> but this one isn't. So, yeah, um, we're working with Domus Nursery uh-huh. and releasing a range of what we call Kings Park favourites. Yeah, and so these are plants that we found over you know, ten, twenty, thirty years have done really well in Kings Park. Mm. Uh, and so what we're doing is, as part of, I guess making people more aware of some of the really tough plants out there is that we're releasing a line uh, called Kings Park Favourites. Uh, they'll have a label on them. Mm. And hopefully, I don't have an exact date yet, but certainly this year. Uh, so from uh, autumn, winter, through certainly in spring. So they're you know, plants like Eucalyptus erythrochorus, the Iliari, which is spectacular at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Verticordia chrysantha, great little you know, yellow flowering shrub. Um, so Banksia uh, ashbii, the dwarf form that, that is fantastic and hardy, Darwinia citriodora. Uh, so there's a range of about 15 to 20 species that we've selected first up. That so if people, when they go out into the market, if they see that label, King's yeah. Park favourite, they know it's been through the litmus oh, test and oh, it's, it's uh, yeah. got the thumbs up. And there'll yeah. be a QR code on the label that they can then go to a website and there'll and be a lot of information. That's brilliant. Yeah. yeah. And I'm sure people will be looking more closely uh, given what we've just been through. I'm sure well, that's, that's changing that's a lot of people's minds. Yeah, yeah, that's the idea behind it. About yeah. resilient gardens. And so if people want to do homework on these sorts of plants, where can they find more information, Digby? Well, about 10 years ago, we, Kings Park released a book called Australian Native Plants, the Kings Park Experience. And so a lot of the plants that we're talking about uh, are featured in that, in that book. And mm. so if they, you know, if they have the book or, or can mm. get the book, uh, go to Aspects at Kings Park. Yeah. Um, you know, then they can read a bit more about it. But very helpful. We will have info on the on the website. That brilliant. It's very them. helpful. Yeah. Okay, guys, it is nine o'clock. Twenty three point five degrees right now. The humidity is sitting at fifty six percent. Heading for a maximum today of thirty one. Showers are forecast. The minimum overnight should drop down to about twenty one. Shower or two, and a possible storm. Uh, tomorrow and maximum of 34 and looking ahead to Monday cloudy and a maximum of 27 and then for the rest of the week is sitting in the low 30s at the moment rainfall zero for March obviously uh, February there was five mils January 1.8 mils so boy oh boy we could do with this rain if it is coming uh, it says up to 15 mils so yeah it's good and bad because the Kalamunda Garden Festival tomorrow there's always a reason we don't want it to rain and we all want it to rain last <laughs> last week it wasn't allowed to rain because your friends were getting married. <laughs> and week, they did. It was perfect. Yeah, I knew it would be. Yeah, but it would be. gardeners, be like Melbourneites. Get out with your umbrella 100%, and your gumboots. 100%. 100%. <laughs> a bit of rain never hurt anyone. I'll be dancing in it. We're in Nangara. Angie, thanks for waiting. Oh, good morning, everyone over there. <laughs> good morning, Angie. How can we help you? Look, um, I've got a, um, a shade house. Um it's it's quite big, really, and I wanted to do my gardening in there because it's nice and flat. 
Um, but I started planting some uh, celery there, and um, it's been more than a couple of months then. It didn't, wasn't doing any good, didn't matter what fertilizer I put on. So I decided to pull it up, pull it out. And I found that all the roots are full of nodules. Is that, is that, uh, that uh, manicure? Nematodes. I, Sorry? I, I wasn't aware that nematodes would affect celery. It just wouldn't grow. Is it because in the in the shade house? It's like a fifty percent. I, I, the only thing I can really think is that they they are a water loving plant. That it was maybe too hot. Oh really? It might not. Kevin? Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. <laughs> we have so much trouble, and I'd love a big shade house at home. You know, because mm. we've got little shade houses over all our garden beds we yeah. use wicking beds and uh, so the water is never the problem but um, no. this heat has been a real killer this year yeah so and, I, uh, I do suspect it's it's your temperature you know the amazing thing about celery is that mm-hmm. you can cut it off at ground level and it will regrow so it's one oh. plant that you don't have to replant all the time Oh um, really? So yes, I well, good idea to pull it up and have a look. I I'm not sure if it is um, nematodes on your roots. You can do things to overcome that. One of the things you can plant are marigolds in the ground. Oh really? Yeah. Because they emit something that keeps nematodes away. And the other thing to do if you suspect you've got nematodes is to put in a green manure crop. So it's a, a mix of mustard and other seeds you oh. you scatter them across the ground you grow them they come up and before they flower you dig them all back in so that helps mm. improve your soil as well and it's a, a break crop and then you go again so oh, plant okay. something that um, isn't affected by nematodes and you you may well outgrow it mm. so if i put that uh, because i found in the shed and um it's an old tin. I don't know how long it's been there, but it's got the manicure, it's called. And oh. it shows the roots, the roots of a plant that's got all these nodules underneath. Is it wise for me to put anything like that or is it too well, poison to the ground? Angie, I wouldn't. You uh, wouldn't because, yeah, okay. you know, I, we don't know what effect it will have on other beneficial organisms oh, okay. in the soil. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Digby and Kevin are both nodding. <laughs> I've got a good support crew here. No, I, I I'll ask because I'm I'm really I do a little bit of gardening, but not really. Well, I've given you a couple of tips on what you can do to overcome it. You could send us a photo showing us the nodules, and I could have a look and see if I can tell anything from that. Um, they look and, whitish. They look yeah. whitish little nodules from all over. There are also root aphids that get in the soil there's a number of things that it potentially could be and it might be something that's not even on the radar that we haven't come across yet so yeah um getting a positive id on that would be a help you could also take a photo and send it to through to my pest guide reporter app they're very good at um coming back with um, response um identifications on things you have to get my daughter to do that because yeah. I can't do that. <laughs> so there's a few things you can do. and um, okay. But, yeah, just keep on trying and 
do what I said and you'll be fine. But growing, <laughs> growing veggies in the shade house, is that okay? Is that enough fun? Fantastic. Or? Yeah. Fantastic, yeah. And there are plants that will grow all year round in a shade house. It will the buffer the weather. It will also buffer the sunlight. So some plants mm. might grow better than others, but yep. gardening is trial and error. So good luck. Thanks, Angie. Okay. Cheers okay. for yeah, that. Thank you so much. Thanks. And we're heading to Thornley. We have Kay on the line. She'd like to speak to you, Kevin. Hi, Kay. Morning, Kay. Go ahead. How is everybody? We're great. I've got you on loudspeaker. I'm just going to turn you off to see. Oh, (laughs) hope you can still hear us, Kay. Well, yes, I can. It's just it was so loud in my ear. (laughs) But listen, I bought a um, a worm cafe last year at the gardening show, and I was doing really well with it. I got a few of the... Um, uh, castings and that out and a lot of worm wee and so forth but like uh, you were saying this summer <clears throat> the sun has really devastated my worm farm. I moved it three times to try and get shadier spot. I was putting um, ice uh, filling up those little water bottles and making ice yeah. and putting that yep. in to try and keep it cool. I do that but, I know, but it was not successful. Not I enough. think I've lost them all. You know what the next step I never, is? Ever, step. I never, ever thought of taking, because I knew it was the plastic that was heating up too much and, of course, the food and the plastic. And so I was trying to find as much shade as I could for them. I put umbrellas up and shade cloth, but oh, love. nothing seemed yeah. to work. So mm, mm. I never thought of putting the actual thing in the garden. No. I thought I would have lost all my worms. I lost no. them all anyway, but still. They'll stay there. And when you want to re-establish or put your worm farm back together again, maybe a bit of manure. We recommend horse manure. Um, put oh, that around okay. where your trays are and or in your trays and you'll find the, yes. the worms will they'll actually climb over a barbed wire fence for a bit of horse manure. Oh, is that so? So oh. it's a great tonic. I've just come from uh, yesterday. I was up at Mazenod College. So they've got a couple of worm farms in fridges uh-huh. that we set up for yep. them. And over the long break, the worms weren't doing too well and my remedy was just put a bit of horse manure in one section of it and a third of it. Um, and not too deep, you know, only maybe an inch or two. Mm-hmm. Uh, make mm-hmm. sure it's wet, and uh, you'll soon, you know, find whether the worms are around or just give them a happy place to live. It's a oh, really balanced. Okay. It's a really balanced food for them. And would there be worm casting? Uh, not castings. Um, capsules, egg capsules that will hatch yeah. out. Like, do they? Um, Depending on the down? temperature of mm. the actual bedding, you know, they'll only survive to a certain point. But okay. Um, yeah, I'll look. It's so, so could 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 I do? I I'm I'm coming. I'm going to the. Are you going to be at the Kalamanda? Unfortunately, show I won't be tomorrow. No, but if you oh. check on our website, we do lots of workshops around the place. You're in Nangara, did you say? Thornley. Uh, Thornley. Thornley. Well, we yeah. do workshops for. You're doing got, one in Armadale. You're saying we're doing a couple this week actually for Armadale. There's one at um, at Armadale Hall on Wednesday night and Saturday afternoon at. Combscott, I think, Combscott Hall opposite the um, oh. community garden. And oh, okay. So you now, can come um, to those. I was wanting to get some more worms, which I thought I might have got from you at the garden show. Ah, right. But obviously, obviously you won't be there. Um, and then my next question would have been, when I get these new worms, do I need to get new um, the new bedding stuff for them, like the stuff in there, or can I use... I mean, obviously, there'd be dead worms in there, I would think, because they've kind of perished. 
Well, the worms will get recycled, so that's fine. And the castings should be, if you've got a good tray of castings, we always start a worm farm up, whether it be in a fridge or the stacking system, the cafes. The first tray is full yeah. of castings and yeah. the worms are up in right. the second tray. So it's advanced yeah. and you're also going to get some leachate out of it that you can use straight away. So yeah, if you've right. had your worm farm going right. for a while, you should have, you know, one of your trays, your first tray should be yeah. castings. Just stir it up a little bit with a little pitchfork and um, aerate it a little bit and uh, yeah. you should be right. And the worms, look, we can deliver or you can we post them or we've got Green Life Soil Company as one of our uh, outlets. Oh, so, is it? Um, okay. the, we deal with oh, okay. Paul and Linda a lot. Oh, okay. A, a yeah, lot. Yeah. For, um, so, yeah, you can get them around um, and the so worms I, are sold. I had that. Sorry, I got that worm cafe, um, and that that, what did that say? I think it said it had a thousand worms or something in it, didn't it? Okay, I'm about to start on that one. That that was so you knew how much food to give it or something. I I got all the information there still, but I haven't reread it. But also, so would I use the same... um, how many worms should I get? Like okay. it looks like I'm starting off again, but I've got all the other set up there. There's still castings there. There's still where the food hasn't been eaten, so I probably should take that take, out. Yeah, take that lot out and just have yeah. the one tray with the castings. And with yeah. your worms, right, I'm going to get on my high horse here a bit, but <laughs> no one counts worms. Um, I know that. Yeah, I know. Right. It's a myth. So you need, you <laughs> need to... You it's need to know the weight. weight in worms that you've got. It's all weight yes. related. So we sell yeah. worms by kilos, half kilos, yeah. uh, quarter kilos. And if you know the yeah. weight in yeah. worms that you've got, then you know the weight in waste that you can get rid of. Because we yeah. work on about worms can uh, ingest about a third of their body weight in food nearly every day. But that'll uh-huh. also depend on how you prep the food, whether you blend it, whether you chop it up real small. Uh, pre-freeze it um, so uh-huh. but you're better off starting on the low, low side and yep. you won't starve a worm um, but very easy to overfeed a worm farm but it is really important to know the weight in worms that you've got numbers are okay. irrelevant absolutely yes, irrelevant I know <laughs> um, I knew it was by weight but I, I was yeah. just thinking I think I read there it was a thousand worms oh. by this weight or some such thing I don't know but having said that what how how much weight then should I get to to restart this cafe? The, it's the three, you know, the four, four. the, the four right. tray things. What our standard one? We do a, an actual standard kit, and we put a kilo yeah. of worms in there. Um, okay. And that way, something's going to happen. People think, oh, worms breed up, so I only need a handful of worms. Well, the first thing you're going to do is overfeed them and create yeah, a great stink, and it's just mm. not going to work. But with a yeah. kilo of worms, you're looking at around 300 grams of waste nearly every day, you know, and that's quite a bit. Oh, okay, once it is, yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, people think, well, oh, I, I mightn't I have enough, but there's all yeah, sorts yeah, of things you can that. feed them. So, mm. yeah, look, I would do the kilo. That's my recommendation. It's not a sales point for worms. You want it to have to work, and you can keep put worms in anything, but. Yeah, it's all about so having enough worms. When, when, I, got, when I got that worm cafe, yep. um, was that a kilo of worms in, in that? that? Right. Because that worked perfectly. Where did you, whereabouts did you get it from? From the um, uh, Calamunda Garden Show last year. Last year or the year before last year? 
Yeah. Oh, we I might were, have been the year before. Yeah, we were might there year one year and we did sell a few, but yeah, it would have been with a kilo of worms. A uh, kilo, all righty. Yeah. So we have to get a wriggle on, K. Yep. Yeah, that's <laughs> all right. Yeah. Okay. You've been waiting for that one, right? Haven't Thank you. you. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers for that. That's Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, yes, Sean. busy morning. So, Ray, now might be a good idea to give away hey, the amazing worm whiz and castings. Can you tell the listeners about that? Okay, Kim? we've got uh, a 10 litre tub of worm castings, and worm castings is worm poo. Yeah. Very simple. And, and great for the garden. The best stuff it really is obviously the most natural, yeah. um, balanced. Uh, it does depend on what worms have been fed, but um, the stuff we produce is a, has a good range mm. um, of uh, food source. And um, we use it when we plant out. If we're planting out seedlings, I'll mm. put a small, dig a hole, put a small handful of castings in the bottom mm. of the hole, put the seedling straight on top. Mm. The beauty about this stuff is no matter how much you use, you won't do any damage. Can't do any harm. And the Worm Whiz? The the Worm Whiz, we call it Worm Whiz Ultra. It goes through a couple of processes. It's a little bit more than just the leachate that comes out the bottom of a a worm farm, which is great stuff, no worries. But ours goes through a couple other processes. It's recirculated a couple of times. And the worms in the shed, which I'm talked about earlier um they get another special feed some fish hydrolysate some seaweed extracts and oh it's value they're added. on they're on steroids <laughs> hence it's worm with ultra oh, okay so and do really, you dilute that yeah look our recommendation is parts. 10 to 1 okay do i dilute it mm. no okay. and so this is where i confuse everybody you know? oh, well, we as long as the listeners know yeah look dilute it down 10 to 1 is the best way to go okay so we have Two, two packs, two packs to give away. Obviously, you must be able to come to the radio station and collect uh, weekdays between, say, nine a.m. and four p.m. I'll even say three p.m. to be safe. Uh, that is a must. We will leave the it out open to everybody because it's just been brought in this morning, and uh, Bev will take the first two callers through on nine four eight four one nine two seven, and you can win yourself. A pack. We've got two to give away of worm whiz and worm castings. Very generous. Thank you, Kevin. Yeah, Much appreciated. Pleasure. Okay, yeah. we shall return. Radio. And wow, it's already 23 minutes past nine. You're tuned to Let's Talk Gardening and our special guest in the studio with us this morning. Uh, really great morning. We have Digby Grounds from Kings Park and Botanic Gardens and Kevin Akar, a.k.a. The Worm Shed. The Worm Shed Man. And we've spoken to you many times on the phone as well. Yes, so it's lovely having you both here. Thank you very much for your company. Let's bounce around now and back to Eremophilas. Why why should everyone have Eremophilas in the garden, Digby? And Mm. what sorts are there? What are your favourites? Yes. Uh, Well, the reasons you should put them in is... um, because of the, the resilience, because they're so resilient, they tolerate, you know, extreme conditions. But they also look amazing. I mean, Calberry Carpet's one of my favourite. This silver foliage, yellow-flowered, the prostrate plant that's used widely, um, and there's a reason for it, because it's, it's so great. And that, that silver foliage um, can really contrast well with I uh, love um, that the green the foliage, and, mm. and just you can set up an amazing look. Um, also, the birds... They're really attracted to the flower. They produce amazing amounts of nectar. And, and in fact, birds will go to an eremophila in preference to even a gravillia or something like that. Is that like so? That. Yeah. Ah, interesting. Um, so they're a great food source. Mm. Um, and so for coastal gardens, you know, eremophila glabra, 
there's about 20 subspecies. So it's an amazingly variable plant. Um, so go along to, you know, Xanthria Nursery or, or visit Nancy out at Oakford Wildflower Nursery and both of those nurseries got some really, a really good range of Eremophila. Um, there's one that's been released recently called Pink Panther. Mm. Ah, yeah, I've got that. Yeah, it's a mm. Nivea Glabra hybrid, mm. I believe. Mm. Spectacular. You know, <laughs> bright pink flowers, upright yeah. bushy shrub. Yeah, it's lovely. A little bit wild, but you prune it back. They take pruning really well. Mm. So, you know, without the Kings Park breeding program, there's already an amazing range of Eremophila. So, you know, go along and, and talk to those specialists and, uh, yeah, do some trialling. I mean, as you say, gardening's about having fun and seeing what'll work. Um, and Actually, the native gardener who's out in the wheat belt now, Richard, I know he's been doing a lot of yeah. uh, propagation and he's coming to the Kalamunda Garden Festival tomorrow. He, oh, okay. He, he just loves native plants yeah. and he's specialised in them for okay. many years. Sorry, who was that yeah. playing? The, oh, I've just lost it. I've yeah. forgotten... Richard, you said, I think. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Because tomorrow, yeah. Um, Amanda Shade from Kings Park Gardens is uh, doing a chat at 2.15 in the Fungi uh, Marquee about propagation of WA natives and how to achieve great results at home. Yeah. She's a legend, Amanda. Okay, so, so that's at 2.15. Yeah, yeah, listen to her. Yeah, Extremely thought I knowledgeable. throw yeah. that in as well. All right, um, we, Bev's had a rest, so I'm going to hit her again. We have six double <laughs> Don't passes. Hit her. Don't smack her, um, spank her. No, she. We adore. We adore our Bev. Where would we be without Bev and John? My goodness. If you would like to win a double pass to the Kalamunda Garden Festival, which is on tomorrow at Sturt Park, 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. Absolutely massive day. Doesn't get any better than this, guys, for the gardening community. We have six double passes to give away. Uh, just give Bev a call and we will leave your name at the gate tomorrow, 94841927. Uh, Bev's ready to take your call. And Judith of Maddington and Bill from Sanson have won the worm giveaways. Good on you guys. Uh, well done. And, uh, yeah, obviously you know that you have to collect them from the station. It was Can't put them in the post. Yeah. Richard from the Naked Gardener. Richard. No, not... The native gardener, sorry. <laughs> okay, you're getting there, love. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Richard McDowell. He's going to uh, be wondering why everybody's gone to see him now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll do my best to drum up business, Digby. Yeah, <laughs> All right, now we also have that uh, lemon, sorry, is it a lemon tree in a pot from last week with yes, the scale uh, on it? Yes, it, we talked about it last week. Mm. Uh, white, and when it gets squished, uh, juicy Orange, Red or pink comes out. out. Mm -hmm. So it's cottony cushion scale. Now, the the plant itself is quite, well, it looks hungry. The leaves are yellow. The fruit looks ripe. So I would take the fruit off. It's sort of starting to take more out of the tree. It's in a pot. Possibly the potting mix needs a good refresh and maybe even a next size pot up, which I would do in autumn. And I, I would give it a cut back. So managing pests, and disease, if you cut back the infestation, you reduce the problem. You would also increase the airflow, cut out anything that's crossing over, dead, dying or diseased in the middle and actually open up the plant. As I said before, if you want something to grow, cut it back. It'll respond well and produce more growth, growth, healthy, happier growth. Uh, so a 
a good repot will help. But in the meantime, maybe a seaweed or liquid food, even a foliar application would help. Mm. For the cottony cushion scale, if you can't cut it off, then go in with a glove and just hand remove or dab it with methylated spirits or an eco oil, if you like. Um, There is a ladybird that will uh, act as a predator on the cottony cushion scale. So... You know, for integrated pest management, that that could help, but we don't but often see it. It's going to say it's not helping. It's, it's here. tucked in a corner. Mm. Uh, it looks like it's got concrete walls around it and paving, mm. so it will be copping a lot of reflective heat, I suspect. Mm. So yeah, need, needs a little bit of help. Needs a bit of love. Yep. Sure. All right. Okay. Is that us with the emails or do we have more love? Uh, oh, of course there's more. There's always more, Ray. So this is from Veronica. I'm writing to ask if an elderberry tree would be a suitable tree to provide some summer shade for a small backyard garden with raised garden beds. Now, elderberry is a, it's not so much a tree, but it is a woody shrub that could potentially be pruned in into a tree shape and I know this because I've got one in a pot mm. that I put in a raised bed mm. with a mango tree and it's actually grown up and it's shading the mango tree so yes you can do it it produces beautiful white flowers if you're lucky followed by berries and it can be used to make a cordial mm. so yeah perfect for a, a vegetable garden and it's its coverage is not so dense it allows some dappled light so good protection for underneath but its roots can compete with what is underneath so just be mindful of that but i think it would be a good choice for a small garden okay perfect all right well our lines are full so that blocks everyone (laughs) from ringing through so excellent well we have another question and this is for kevin when using horse manure do you make sure that the horse has not been dewormed recently Right, that's a hard one. It is a bit of a tricky one. Um, we've used horse manure just about straight from the horse's butt, mm. but uh, you know whether they've been wormed. The, we've chatted to quite a few different vets, and they've uh, suggested that once it's gone through the animal, there is really no secondary poisoning. But if you're concerned, um, what I would do if any horse manure that I'd collect, I would put it over to the side if they've only just recently been wormed and let it sit there for maybe three or four weeks and then you can start using it. But um, yeah. apart from that, it's a great little tonic for worms. Um, mm. they, it's a really balanced diet. You know, they do and you've have not to, experienced that problem yourself? I mm. haven't. The mm. mm. biggest problem with horse manure is weeds. Yeah. Uh, I spend half my day pulling weeds out of my worm, worm farms if I've used horse manure. Oh, I see. So, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. The oats but, in there and yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's their fodder, isn't it? There's well, nutrient recycling, Kevin, well, because the dead you pull weeds. Them and put them back into the worm farm. Yeah, yeah certainly do, but yeah, I do have... You know, not a lot of time to be pulling weeds. <laughs> exactly, in your busy. spare time. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. do you have any experience with flame tree leaves? Uh, I don't know about flame. I would use them. we got polonia trees, the Chinese timber oh, tree. fantastic. Right? They're mm. 20% protein. And we've got about 20 of them along the back fence. And we actually 
at times, well, in the early years, used to harvest the leaves and feed them to the worms, all part of the sustainability mm. of the mm. farm. We've got a bit bigger than that now, but the worms love them. I remember Absolutely. that story. And the polonia tree is also known as the princess tree and planted when a baby girl was born yeah. so that when it was time for her wedding, the yeah, tree would be cut down to make, was it a glory box? Well, I've really? heard actual houses and all that. Depends how many you plant, perhaps. But <laughs> um, they grow very well, very light Fast timber. Fast growing? Yeah, yeah. Um, Pretty? The sheep love them. We've got some pet sheep, and they basically talk to me every day. Time for a feed of polonia leaves, you know. So I've got to cut down one of the limbs and feed it to the... Yeah. Oh, funny. Anyway, another good, story. Good fodder. <laughs> it is. Very good fodder. Yeah. Very good. Another email, Ray? Uh, I think we need to. Bev's still going? Yeah. Uh, yes. I think she's, no, she's just she's free now. The lines are free. If you'd like to speak to uh, Digby or Kevin or Fayakaro, the lines are now free. Pamela from Morley has sent us in a photo, and it is the egg sac known as Anuthika of a praying mantis, and it's been mm. laid against a brick wall, and uh, it... It's got some damage to it. Normally when the praying mantises hatch out, there's tiny little openings that they leave from. This, however, has got a, a mark at the top, so maybe something has come in and predated upon it. But, Ray, this is another example of when a wasp comes in and lays its egg in the egg sack of something else. Mm -hmm. And I witnessed this, I think I told you recently, when I was meant to go to Rotnest, about to catch a boat, and I was packing up the car, and on my grass tree there was an Uthika. Not only that, there was a tiny wasp that was laying its egg into the praying mantis Uthika. So I nearly missed the boat, but I didn't. And I had the photos to prove it. Was this recently? Well, it was recently that I told the story. Oh, I think okay <laughs> thank you very much all right uh we've got a gall wasp uh question let's go we're in mandra lisa good morning good morning hi hi lisa I have a very, uh, hi i have a very small lemon tree she has had a really rough time trying to grow um and this year just recently last week i saw evidence of gall wasp on it now i didn't think we had it this far south and is it reportable oh i i think you you could report it uh is it a very bad infestation and what stage is it at no it's only one one branch was affected i took the branch off i cut it back to see if it was gall wasp and it was so i put cut out the gall wasp evidence, put it into methylated spirits to kill it um, before throwing it out, um, and um, nothing else in the garden seems to be affected by it. No, that's good. Well done. Yep. Yes, uh, you probably could report it uh, because Deep Herd keep a, a snapshot of what what is tracking where. Yeah. Um, so it's good for their records to know where it is and where they should target any um, treatment or marketing to let others know. So, yeah, for everyone in Mandra, check your citrus trees yeah. and cut out any gall wasp. Um, also, I wanted to ask what I can use to, or to um, prevent further uh, attacks 
let's say, of Gaul was. Mm. Well, I wish we knew. I don't. I honestly don't know if there's something that you can do. There netting, was some maybe. netting. Uh, it'd have to be very fine netting. Very uh, fine. They will target mm. new growth. Um, there will be a particular timing when you would need to do that, which is when they're hatching out. So I, th- I think they will be swelling now. So I don't think now's the time. I'd have to follow up on the timing of it, Lisa. But they do like the softer new growth. Radio. Okay, so I've checked the, the tree and it seems to be okay. I say tree, but it's struggling to be, you know, 75 centimetres tall, poor little mm. thing. Yes, anyway, you're not alone. So, yeah. There is there is talk about um, a clay product that you can paint onto the tree. That there's been a bit of yeah, interest and it in would, that. How effective it is, it, I'm not sure. It would wash off anything mm. that creates a deterrent, yeah. so it changes the environment can help. Mm. So we just need to check the timing that they'll be out and flying around, and protect the yeah. tree at that time. So if it if it's a clay, then it will wash off in rain. So Mm. I, w- I suspect. Oh, yeah. Mm. I would have thought so. Okay. Right. Thanks, ladies. Um, so it's, who am I calling to report this to again? Deepherd, if you, what you do is you download your the app on your phone. It's called My Pest Guide Reporter. And you take, well, even if you don't take a couple of photos, you can make a report and let them know where you are. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Good luck, Lisa. Cheers. Thank you very much. Bye-bye, ladies. You're welcome. Bye. Bye. <laughs> All right. And, guys, when you do call in, um, please make sure that your radio is turned off in the background because it's very distracting uh, for everyone to listen to. Yes. Absolutely. I got all excited then because I was thinking about the gall wasps that have a relationship with eucalyptus, <laughs> yeah. and they're, they're quite interesting. They do you know much about them, Digby? I looked on a lot. They, uh, they're generally not destructive at all, but there are some that, that can get dry. They're quite infested with them and, and look horrible. Eucalyptus brutus, for instance, you know, can get really badly affected. That's one. But no, I'm not a... I'm not an insect uh, life cycle person, I must say. (laughs) Uh, And a question uh, for you, if I may, um, Kevin, with I have a cafe, uh, three tiers, full. So where do I go to at the moment? How do I I clean out, get my castings out? How do I get my worms separated? How do I start again? Okay. The actual unit... It's designed to separate your worms from your castings. Yeah. So by adding one tray at a time, the worms keep moving up to the top tray. And they've done that. They're in uh, the top tray. Well, if, by regular feeding them, mm. um, small amounts regularly, mm. they all, the majority of them should stay in the top tray. So then what you do is lift that tray off, the top okay. one, and mm-hmm. the next one down. And your first tray, which is down near the collection tray, mm. that should be... Close to worm-free. You'll never get it worm-free. No, no. Okay. Even commercially, even in these tubs that we mm. are brought in today, the, really you'll hard. see that there's holes in the lids because there's worms in there. So commercially, I don't sterilise it or anything. It's mm. straight out of our pit. So there's so, worms in there. So in that bottom tray, I would remove the castings, Take, take that out. tray out, put the other two back down, and then put that tray on top. 
the okay. one that you emptied out. So that's the concept, rotating yeah. the three trays. Got you, yeah. And when you start a new tray off, you put in a layer of shredded paper. Yeah. So you've got somewhere to bury your food scraps, which yeah. is an important part yeah. of the process. And away you go. Yeah, and yeah. what you will find is in the collection tray at the bottom, there'll be a lot of sludge. There is, yeah. Okay, just wash that into a bucket. Yeah. Then what you can do is just take a cup full of that out, put it in a bucket of water, stir it up and... Magic. Get out in the garden. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, uh, but, and that's the process. But it's sometimes if you don't feed them regularly, the worms will travel through all your three trays Looking all the time. Looking for food. Right. So, if you want, if you at that stage, that bottom tray that we're talking about removing, you could actually place that back up on top, scruff it all up, and the worms won't like that. They will move down to mm. where the food is in that your original top tray mm. and you just come along and scrape the top layer off every 10 minutes or so and you're basically driving whatever worms are in that down down into the next mm. one mm. then Clear you take the castings off but these these worms they're an earthworm yeah so they're okay in your garden not a native garden but um in a veggie garden so if they get into the garden, garden they will survive yeah oh i didn't think they survived i thought well, they were a different sort of worm then no they're okay in a garden okay but what we do recommend is having something like a PVC pipe, maybe a 100mm PVC pipe with holes drilled in it, and bury them in your garden beds. And they're like little feed stations. So yeah. if you're using these, mm. got these worms in your garden, mm. every now and again you can put a bit of compost in there, a bit of manure, mm. a bit of food scraps. The worms will come in, have a feed, and wander back out around yeah. through your garden. It's a good thing. So we've set up some worm farms, or worms, deliver worms to people where they haven't got a worm farm, but they've got all these feed stations all through their, oh, okay. um, under their trees and in their raised garden beds, and that's where they're putting their food. Perfect. So the worms are doing their job in there. Hmm. Yeah. Okay, brilliant. All right, we've got some calls coming through. We shall return. 100.1 and yes, we are here, just having a, a, a great chat off air. Very busy morning. Let's go to Mandurah again, actually. Maureen, good morning. Oh, my God. Hey, oh, all of you, sorry. Um, um, I just want to know, a couple of weeks ago, um, my sons bought out a, a cypress that died in a, a really big, huge waste dive pot. I've had it for quite a few years, and it just died back and back. And when they pulled it out, they just said, Mum, this soil looks really good still, because it's quite expensive to fill a pot like that. And I do want to put a magnolia, um, tulip magnolia plant that I've got in a plastic pot in there. But... I'm just worried, do I have to treat that soil because of the um, cypress dying with something? And, uh, you know, do I have to, would there be something in there that might affect the new plant going in? Mm. Very good question, Maureen. It's very hard to tell. If your magnolia is a, a special plant, I would start with fresh potting mix because I would, I would. we don't know why the other one died and you you just yeah. simply wouldn't want to take the risk. Okay. So having said that, if I buy a new, a new um, potting mix, uh, what kind of potting mix does the, um, the, the magnolia still in the pot that, um, um, that I got? So I want to know what kind of soil, whether it's acidic or um, whether just potting mix will be okay. You could use a premium potting mix, but they do like slightly, slightly acidic, acidic soil, yeah. so mm. something for, for citrus would probably okay. be okay, or um, gardenias, Amelia, azaleas. Mm. Mm. 
Mm. Oh, okay. I've got some of that as well. Mm. Okay, so now the other question is the soil that's in there, uh, I haven't got a trailer, I think, to take it away. So how, can I spread that around the garden or, well, you know... I I probably would spread it around the garden in an area that doesn't matter too much. Okay. Okay. Okay, I will do that. Or, or otherwise you could bag it and put it in the bin or just put it in the bin in your... Yeah, um, bit com- by bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, all right then. I'll do that. Thanks very much. Here. Okay, thanks, Maureen. Bye. Bye. Okay. Um, so we've got, still got one double pass still available because someone who won the ticket has phoned in and said they actually can't make it. Uh, so we do have one double pass for the Kalamunda Garden Festival still remaining because this person can't go. So give Bev a call now on 94841927. Got a call for Digby. We're in Ascot. Good. Hi, Olga. How are you going? Good, thank you. How are you? Good. Digby's uh, here. Hmm. Yeah, I'd like to ask Digby a question. Uh, I have a garden at the front that's facing south. It has a lot of shade because the house casts the shadow and then I've got trees and things out there. But I have a, uh, an area that I want to plant some plants that are going to be very low maintenance because I can no longer do much gardening at all. And... Um, just some native plants that might survive in fairly, not thick shade. There are areas where there's dappled um, sunlight and stuff like that, but something that I can put in there that I can sort of plant and forget mostly. Um, I have a reticulated uh, garden, so watering's not going to be an issue. So if there are any sort of plants that I could put in there that might survive, and the soil is fairly weak because... um, when we built, we had to fill the block with nine nine um, feet or three metres of landfill because right. um, I have a retaining wall and I have yeah. a creek next door to me and I'm 150 metres from the Swan River. <laughs> right, sounds like a nice place to live. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, certainly, look, shaded gardens are always a bit of a challenge, but uh, there are plants that you can use. So um, there's the, the Banksia Nivea which uh, used to be Dryandra Nivea for those um, who'd like to keep those two genera separate. Um, that's a that's a really good uh, plant for shaded areas, great form. Um, Does it grow high? Because I want no. something that's very low, yeah, um, no. you know, no more than about a metre high. Yeah, no, this is that that, that type of plant. Grows, you right. know, probably to half a metre, spreading. It's got, um, you know, thin fern-like leaves, very ornamental, yeah. very hardy and a great structure plant for featuring other plants. There's a really good, good uh, Tomasia, which is a, a purpurea hybrid. Um, it's grown quite widely at Kings Park and is yep. also available at the uh, Friends of Kings Park plant sales. So the next one of those is in May, if you can wait that long, or yep. um, a specialist nursery yep. like Xanthoria may have it. But Tomasias are generally really good uh, shade plants uh, and provide that colour that, um, often, you know, they'll flower really well in a shaded situation. There's uh, mm-hmm. Corazima uh, verifolia, also does well in shade. Um, something that um, may be required. Sorry, I, I missed the name of the, the first part of the aerifolia bit. Corazima. So it's a pea flower. Um, uh. I think its common name is flame pea. Uh, that will yep. that will work quite well. And 
in spring gives you a really good contrast uh, with the Tamasia. Uh, another one that might require a bit more uh, maintenance but is fantastic is um, Pamelia Fisodes, the Quail Up Bell. Um, they'll work in a in a shaded area, um, but it all you know all depends how much yep. you know maintenance. So there's a couple of good examples. Also, you know, if you come up to Kings Park, um, we've got a couple of garden beds that are set up that are that are growing in shaded areas. Or if you go to the botanic right. garden itself um, and just have a look at the plants that are growing around where all the big marries are, and there's lots of shade, and you can get some really good ideas uh, from those places um, as well. Does that involve a lot of walking? Because I've, I've been critically ill and oh, I'm okay. still trying to recover and I can't walk very big distances at the moment. So yeah. would that require um, Through the Botanic Garden, yes. But there are other yeah. places that are more accessible that, are, that have some shade. Around the... Um, the restaurant area, yeah, the there's restaurant beautiful area. Okay. gardens there uh, and you can get a cup okay. of coffee too. That's right. And even yep. at the, um, <laughs> the building just at the front of Kings Park, there's some really nice yep. gardens. Uh, put, okay. Put Thank you. Well. I appreciate your time. All right, uh, Olga, we have to get a wriggle on. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, love. Bye. Good luck. Bye -bye. Thank you. Cheers. Okay, we do have a question for you, Kevin. We're going to go to a break. And Mary, stay with us. We know you're one of our regulars, so you'll she can, she'll you'll put up with us. We know that. Okay, we return. A lifetime of music, radio. And time to go to one of John's curly quizzes. If you'd like to win a seventy-five dollar gift voucher from Bigger Trees, and you haven't won a prize in the last twenty-eight days, and you are a Curtin FM member. Uh, you can play with us this morning. Bigger trees are the Frangipani tree specialists. They are also an ornamental and fruit tree specialist nursery and they're located in Pickering Brook. Huge amounts of magnificent stock arrive each week and I did read that there's been a lot of mango variety trees uh, arrive in just the last few days. So if you're into mangoes, there, there's your place to go. And uh, I suppress, suggest you browse their Facebook page for updates and videos of the nursery. Uh, they have big plants, they have little plants. Bigger trees have you covered and they deliver across the metro area for your convenience. Now they're open Thursday through to Sunday of each week, 10am to 4pm on Thursday and Friday and Saturday and on Sunday it's 10am to 2pm, pardon me. Now they are open this public holiday so there's an extra day they're in there for you from 10am to 2pm so they are open tomorrow and Monday, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. For more details, please go to biggertrees.com.au. Now, the question is, according to the show tune song, which two crops don't Old Man River plant? According to the show tune song, which two crops don't Old Man River plant? It's a great old song. Get your thinking caps on and give Bev a call now on 94841927. Meanwhile, we're in Banjup. Mary, thanks for waiting. Good morning. How is everyone? We're Very good, busy. thanks, Mary. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't put up with the show. I love it. I plan my Saturdays around it. Oh, I thought you meant you put up with us, Mary, because we were just <laughs> trying to fit everything in this morning, so we knew you'd be patient with us. <laughs> All right. Now, for Kevin, I'm a neglectful worm mother. I feed my worms. I water them. I sort of <clears throat> put the juice out. But I haven't cleaned the trays quite a while. Now, we're going away 
do I put my trays on top of a non-existent veggie garden at the moment and um, it's got shade cloth over the top and it will get a bit of water? Or can I put them into... Uh, we've got bobcats and um, I've got the tyres. Right. Can I put them into that with dressing under it and around it and then put them inside? What I, uh, Mary, uh, what I would do, I think your first suggestion is probably the go, which is in an old veggie garden. Uh, it's in the shade, mm-hmm. so that's going to help. Mm-hmm. And the, you've got retic there as well. Yeah, um, a little... Uh, yeah, as long as they can get some moisture uh, on a regular basis and, you know, chase up a, maybe a bag of sheep manure or a bag of horse manure and just place that right. around the sides of it and maybe a little bit in the actual trays. And as long as they're kept wet, the worms will hang about there. They'll hang about where okay. the food is. So that's probably the easiest way. And when you come back, reassemble your worm farm and a few worms will stay in your veggie garden and they'll be ready for your uh, your winter crop, which will be good. Okay. Now, in the non-existent part of the garden, it won't get much water at all. Um, can I plant the mustard seeds and leave them to turn in later when we come home? Absolutely. Go for it, Mary. Okay. Perfect. Okay, we have to wriggle on, Mary. Thank you so Thank much. You. All right, love. All the best. Thank Bye-bye. you. Bye. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Did you want to do the other giveaway now? I've done it. Okay. Good, good. Now, thank you, Rachel, for this email. She reminded me that what I didn't say about the stelk staghorn ends was that at this time of the year, they're sporing. So Mm -hmm. the spores are developing at the ends of the tips. And that could be what the brown is. Uh Aha. So be mindful of that. So that is where the elk horn tip moth uh, lays its eggs and hatches out, and and the look is different. So the spore is quite clean and felty looking. So okay. thank you for that. Good pick up. And Digby, we have an email for you, and this is from Gail. Gail's one of our biggest fans, and yeah. Hi, she's <laughs> asking about Illyria Little Smoky. She'd like help propagating it. It's favourite plant of hers. Okay, yeah. So. Illyrias, um, they can be a little difficult uh, to propagate, um, certainly not in flower, but probably um, in the warmer part of the month, so around now would be fine, or in spring, and just take um, semi-hardwood cuttings, so where the soft part of the of the tip uh, meets the harder part, it's a bit more flexible, so use that as the base of the cutting, take a cutting uh, you know, four, three to four inches, and then uh, I note in your in your email that you said you tried rooting hormone in the past. So you could try what we call our double dipping technique, and there's a product called Easy Root, um, which is a liquid that you soak your um, cuttings in uh, for a couple of minutes, and um, you dilute it according to the instructions uh, with the bottle. And then if you do that for two to, to five minutes, depending on uh, the dilution rate, and then use a, um, a liquid hormone like Clone, uh, yeah, semi-liquid hormone gel hormone like Clonex and put that on the bottom, that generally will give you 
better results than just using one by itself. Mm. So give give that a go and, and let us know how you go. And Faye, um, James called in from North Byford. Could we mention again the flowers to attract bees around fruit trees? Ooh, well, there is a plethora of plants that you could use. Uh, I would go uh, like around fruit trees, something that is possibly edible. So you've you've got lavender. Some of them are edible. Uh, borage. You've got plants that flower. Any of your carrot or parsley flower that have an umbel or umbrella-shaped flower that brings in beneficial insects, including bees. Um, oh. Kings Park Revillias. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were talking about them. Garlic chives, uh, coriander, um, time to start planting that again. Now, any of your herbs and vegetables, letting them flower will bring in bees. Bring in bees. And they'll set seed, the seeds will drop, you get... Uh, Volunteer right. plants. Thank you. Now we have a winner to the Bigger Tree $75 gift voucher, Richard of Mount Lawley. Uh, good on you. That uh, gift voucher will be in the mail to you this week. The question was, according to the show tune song, which two crops don't Old Man River plant? The answer is taters, we'll take potatoes, and cotton. Good on you for answering that, Richard, one of John's curlies. Now, boys, thank you both so very, very much for joining us this morning. It's been a bit crazy. We really appreciate you're coming in and, and giving no, up your weekend. Yeah, and thanks good. for those Thank goodies you. to give away to our listeners yeah, as well. Digby, absolute pleasure to have you in our company. Three Ray. emails I missed out on, so we'll do those <laughs> next week. Sorry, folks. Thanks, Did our best. Yeah, we tried. All right. Thanking Bev and John. It's been a great morning. Uh, if you want to see our very own Faya Cara in action tomorrow at the Kalamunda Garden Festival, she's on at 10.15 a.m., the buzz of native bees. It's in the Fruit Tree Man Marquee. Okay. Have Thanks, fun, everyone. Ray. Thanks for your time. Enjoy this long weekend. Happy gardening. We hope you've enjoyed listening to another edition of Let's Talk Gardening on Curtain Radio. Happy gardening.